Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. This is Front Row Knowles First Look. Keith, you and I uh, have not even had any conversation about the game whatsoever. So this truly is a first look and a genuine reaction. So I'll, uh, I'll let you fire away first. My reaction is improvement. We talked about on our Wednesday show, our weekly show, Front Row Knowles, that the one takeaway we wanted to make sure that we saw in the ball game against Notre Dame was this team continuing to get better. And they did that. Are they where they need to be? Obviously not. Uh, should they have played better? Yes, they would tell you they should have, but they did improve. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm grateful, thankful, and things continue to work in, a, in the right trajectory. It seems odd for us to talk in the moral victory vein. And Mike Norvell, it's the first thing he said in his press conference, we're not about moral victories. That said, I think you can take a lot of what we saw on Saturday night and say, if we could do that for 60 minutes, i.e. cut out some of the mistakes you still see, play more consistently, I think you would take that because it felt like, honestly, it's the best I've felt about Florida State football in some time. I'd have to think about which game specifically, but it felt like a genuine step forward. And I think the game itself was a step forward. If you look at the, from a statistical standpoint, uh, halftime adjustments, whatever they were, particularly on defense. And we'll talk about the defense in uh, a little more in depth later. But uh, the defense uh, made some changes, whatever they were at halftime, and were able to uh, contain Notre Dame a little bit more. Only one touchdown by each team in the second half. Uh, and as a result, again, improvement in terms of game to game and improvement in terms of half to half. 554 total yards for Notre Dame, 405 for Florida State. Really, uh, this was the story here. I mean, FSU, when they stayed ahead of the chains on offense, they had a productive drive. The drives that started with a four-yard loss, as soon as you got to second and 12, second and 14, you just weren't going to keep that drive alive. And then defensively, Florida State, though it was better in the second half, to your point, too many gaping holes in the middle. Too many times Notre Dame easily got the edge. 
And so as a result, I don't think that it ever felt like the game was in doubt for Notre Dame, but Florida State definitely made it interesting. One of the things that uh, jumped out at me uh, just from a statistical standpoint is FSU um, had 40 rushing attempts. Now, the uh, for those that don't know, uh, sacks are considered a rushing attempt, and Notre Dame had four sacks. Now, granted, two of those were in the last drive against Blackman. But if you take the four sacks, Notre Dame also had nine tackles for loss. So those are 13 negative plays when Florida State is on offense, quote, unquote, rushing the ball. So 40 rushing attempts, and 13 of them were negative plays. Conversely, Notre Dame rushed the ball 42 times, and FSU had one, count it, one tackle for loss. There's your ball game right there. Yes, the gash plays were big. We had not seen uh, that type of uh, play given up by this defense uh, until uh, Saturday night up in uh, Notre Dame. But st- just from a statistical standpoint, there's, therein lies your issue, your offensive line and your defensive line and their performance. Florida State's just not winning at the line of scrimmage. I will say that Jordan Travis and what they're doing on offense, you're able to, I don't want to say make up for the offensive line, but but you're able to get away with some other things or the offensive line's able to get away with some things because of the elusive. I mean, Travis probably escaped four or five sacks himself on top of the four total that that occurred in that game. But But defensively, that continues to be the mystery, Keith, and Maybe we'll do that segment first after we hear from Coach Mike Norvell because there's just no push there at all. And I know that's a really good Notre Dame team. Maybe we should have started the show by pointing out that that's a number five in the country team, really good at the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. So maybe if you just say the score was 42-26, if, if I'd have said that ahead of the time, maybe we both would have taken it. I, I, I will take it now, having watched the ball game given the fact that we all understand that there is much improvement needed, both in terms of talent and, and effort on the offensive line, but and we'll talk about this more, but we've got to start getting some production out of the defensive front. There is no question. Let's listen to head coach Mike Norvell, who met the media. Mike Norvell's birthday is actually today, by the way. He's turning 39 on this uh, Sunday. Uh, October 11th, uh, but didn't get the birthday present that he wanted, which obviously as he was meeting the media and it was probably already his birthday. Uh, these were his comments after Florida State dropped to one and three following that loss to number five, Notre Dame. Congratulations to, to Notre Dame. Uh, they did a really good job tonight. Uh, you obviously uh, made the plays necessary uh, to, to be successful in the game. Uh, you know, I was, overall, uh, you're disappointed in, in the outcome. Uh, I thought our guys – uh, you'll battle to the end, and uh, you know it's it's uh, you know obviously uh, a lot of work goes into to each each and every uh, game that we uh, have the opportunity to play, and you know it's unfortunate that we weren't able to to apply you know some of the things throughout the course of the game uh, to put ourselves in the best position to be successful. Uh, you know we, we struggled to stop uh, the running game. Um, you know we we failed to convert on third downs offensively, uh, missed a couple oppor- opportunities. Um, you know, just throughout the course of uh, throughout the course of the contest, but um, you know, I thought our guys, uh, you know, did battle. Uh, you know, I was, I was really you know proud of them. You know, even there at the end, um, you know, down 16, 
Uh, Notre Dame had the ball down at the goal line, and uh, you guys just continued to fight to keep keep them out of the end zone, uh, just so we can get another possession and another opportunity. Uh, you know, this football team is is, is continuing to grow. Um, you know, we're continuing to work away throughout through, through our process, uh, and uh, you know I definitely believe in, in what the future holds. Uh, we just have to do a better job as in, in all aspects, players, coaches, every, everybody, um, you know, implying the, lesson, the lessons that we're learning and uh, the, the things that uh, we're implementing throughout the course of the week. Um, you know, because when you play good opponents, uh, you, have to, you have to apply that for 60 minutes. Um, you know, there, were some, there were some bright moments, but, uh, you know, obviously we didn't get the job done. You seem obviously there, there. You've talked about the growth you made. Obviously, not happy in that it didn't kind of make an outcome in the result. Is the term? I mean, is, is moral victory something you say just in terms of comparing what the team looked like on a similar stage against a similar opponent two weeks ago and the growth you've seen since then? Or are you? I mean, are you hesitant to even say anything of that sort after the game? No, I mean, I'm, I'm proud. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud that I see our guys, um, you know, competing. But at the end of the day, there's no. This is. This is about going out there and um, you know, competing to be the best that you could possibly be. And, uh, you know, I think in, in all aspects, you know, start as myself, coaches, players, everybody involved, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if we, if we saw that. I know we didn't see that. Um, there's things that, that I would like to, uh, like to have done better throughout the course of the contest, uh, a couple of calls, a couple of situations uh, that, I, that I have to improve in. Um, you know, and then we've got to apply the fundamentals and, uh, you know, the, the things that we work every day in practice with those got to show up and they've got to show up in, in, in those critical situations. They've got to show up, uh, you know, in, in, in all aspects, uh, you know, so we had some missed opportunities throughout it. And so, uh, you know, we're all disappointed. Uh, you know, you, you invest so much time, so, so much effort to, into a game to, to put yourself in the best position to, to win that, to win the contest. And, um, you know, we didn't do that, and we did do it. You definitely didn't do it consistently enough. Uh, you know, even with some bright spots throughout the course. Mike, how would you assess Jordan Travis's performance tonight in his first start? You know, I, I thought he played extremely tough. Um, you know, he had a, a a lot of different looks, a lot of things that uh, you know, were kind of thrown his way. I uh, thought he made some some really good decisions, and there's some things that he'll he'll be able to learn from. But uh, it was a gutsy performance. Um, you know, he carried the ball a good number of times. Uh, you know, throughout the game, you know, I, I thought he, he he definitely provides a uh, you know great dynamic for us. You know, we just um, you know we had our, our moments. We had a couple of explosive plays. We got into a rhythm uh, there you know, throughout on, on some drives. You know, we just really struggled in, in the third down situations. I think we we're two of two of fourteen on third downs. Um, you know, we were able to convert uh, you know some fourth downs, but um, you know at, at the end of the day, you know, it's got to be a situation that you know, we've got to be able to extend those drives. Um, you know, a lot of those we were in, in longer yardage situations. Um, you know, we've got to we got to make sure that we eliminate uh, you know some of those mistakes that that, that got us into. The those situations, but um, you know, I thought all in all, I thought Travis, uh, you played hard, um, you prepared well, and uh, you always could continue to grow. Uh, the one thing you hadn't had happen defensively in the first few weeks was just busted big plays. You hadn't given up a lot of long touchdowns tonight. I mean, they had three or four runs over like 40 yards. Any common thread to what would happen there? Well, I mean, it, it, it all kind of it, it works together in, in some aspects. Obviously, we were, uh, um, you know, we were uh, playing a little tighter down uh, you know, here tonight, um, you know, which with that, 
Um, you know, we have, it, we've got to be on point. We've got to make tackles. Uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we're fitting our gaps. Um, you know, we had some missed opportunities in, in both of those areas. And, you know, when that happens and, um, you know, we've had a little bit more man coverage tonight, uh, you know, in what we were doing and, you know, it, it provided some, uh, you know, some big play opportunities when they, when they broke through the, the forcing unit and uh, you know, there were, there were, you know, a handful of those plays, you know, it's, uh, it comes down to assignment football. It comes down to playing with great fundamentals. And then we get an opportunity to, to, to make the play. We've got to make sure that we're, we're running our feet through contact and, and finishing them. But, uh, um, you know, it's something that we'll learn from. And uh, we definitely have to improve. Mike Norvell's thoughts after the game. Again, not a moral victory, but a lot that you can build on, including Keith. And we'll, we'll talk about the defense next. For all the, the issues and deficiencies, at least there was fight with a minute left in the ball game in terms of a goal line stand. Without question. And uh, the first thing that has to be corrected on this team that we've talked about is from the shoulders up and that they've got to learn how to win. They've got to learn how to give effort uh, to the quote-unquote standard, a part of the climb process that Coach Norvell talks about. And again, our listeners get so tired of me repeating myself, but the one thing you can absolutely control every day of your life is your effort. And they've got to continue to work on that. They showed some glimpses of it, but they've got to continue to work on that and do it for 60 minutes uh, if they want to expect to win some ball games. And I think they will. Florida State falls. We will get to the defense first this time, and we'll save the offense and Jordan Travis for a little bit later in the program. Tom and Keith with you. This is Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' First Look, Tom and Keith with you. KJ, the game started great for the defense. I think it was the second play from scrimmage. Amari Gaynor forces a fumble. Asante Samuel falls on it. You're in plus-plus territory. I didn't even have a, an issue with Mike Norvell taking the field goal there because it was the first drive of the game, even though it was a fourth and two. But bottom line, you get a turnover, you get points, and things are looking good. But really, it was downhill after that the next several drives. You know, it, it's, it started with the inability to fill a gap and to contain at the end. And again, I'd have to sit down and look at the tape. We haven't we don't have that opportunity. That's why we call it the, the first look show. But just too much uh, defensive end and or scraping linebacker getting caught inside. And so they were going around the outside. And then once they widened, they started the cutback. And you've, you've just got to control the line of scrimmage right there. You, you have got to, as they say, set that edge. And if you don't do that – and by the way, both of those long runs – and a couple of those other plays were the same play. I mean, they, they, they must have, of their 350-plus yards of rushing, they must have had half of it on that play, whatever it's called. And they ran it six or eight times. Uh, Florida State finally shut it down in the last couple of attempts. But it was the same dadgum play. Set the edge, scrape, and fill through the gap. And they didn't do any of that. So for you, in your mind, it's a combination of poor play at the ends, not enough from the tackles, really the front seven, though, when you throw in the linebackers in terms yes. of – Yeah. And, and it's frustrating because we all love Marv. We love Coop. Uh, you know, we, we know what Kando has been through. We know, we know J-Rob and, 
and his personal story about his family during Hurricane Michael and uh, out in Panama City. These are guys that we believe in. There's, these are guys we want to pull for, but they're just not performing. Are they horrible? No. But are they making plays? No. And you've got to make plays in today's football world or you're going to have 42 or 52 hung on you every time because offenses can do that these days. And so some way, shape, form, or fashion, scheme, effort, or both, got to find a way for that defensive front, including the linebackers, to play better. Keith, I'm looking at the tackle chart. Now, the coaches will grade this differently. This is what Notre Dame's official stats show in the game tracker. Marvin Wilson had one tackle. Joshua Kando had one tackle. Uh, I'm looking. Fabian Lovett had one tackle. I don't see Robert Cooper on here, and I don't even know if we saw him very much in the game. Corey Durden did have four. And I know the defensive tackles are not supposed to put up huge, gaudy numbers if they tie up the blockers so the linebackers can make the stops. But you would think that you would fall into more than one tackle if you're out there a significant amount of time. And, and that's the thing. Now, are we saying that these kids are loafing? No. Are we saying these kids are given no effort? No. But there's got to be another level, another gear, as they talk about, that this group has got to find, or this is going to be a reoccurring thing because it, it happened. It's going to happen against Notre Dame and Miami. It happened a little bit about against Jacksonville State. And you still got North Carolina, Clemson at all on your schedule. So this needs to be a, almost a sense of urgency, not panic, but a sense of urgency. If that means you've got to start slanting the gaps and you can't play man up, then you've got to start slanting the gaps. We've got to do something different, just like you did at the quarterback position. You've got to do something different in that defensive front to get them away from where they are and closer to where they need to be. You referenced this a little bit earlier, and I saw it specifically with Janaris Robinson, because Kando's better at setting the edge, so it seems like they really took advantage of going at Robinson's side. And, you know, sometimes you see a defensive end, and he gets turned inside so that the back can get around the corner. But what they did a several times with Robinson is he took an outside lane. They just completely blocked him out of the way, and now you're running – inside of Robinson. So how should he handle that? Or is that on the linebacker just not stepping up to fill that spot? It's a little bit of both. It's the age old thing. And, and they've got different type terminology and that type of thing, but you used to teach and still should your defensive tackles. If that person in front of you pulls, you better have your head on a swivel because they're not intentionally not blocking you. Somebody else is coming. So if that tackle is letting you take yourself right out of the play and going upfield, you need to plant that leg and go back inside because they're, they're going to ride you right up the field and cut right in behind you. You've got to be able and be, be smart enough and be able to recognize quick enough that you're not that great <laughs> that you're able to do that on a running play. And if they're letting you do it, you need to turn around and go in the opposite direction because you're running yourself right out of the play. Again, that's old school. They may be teaching just a little bit different these days, but uh, I think our listeners would understand that, that, that simply by watching, you, you can see our, our defensive ends a lot of the times taking themselves right out of the play by not being able to recognize what's coming at them. 
Another thing that was an issue, Keith, early on in particular, first half, but a few times throughout the game, they just ride it and run a tight end basically on a, a drag route over the middle. And the, the linebackers for Florida State would run into each other and, and basically pick each other. And that's what created the separation for the tight end. What was wrong in the execution there? Well, two things. Number one, we did see, and I am in favor of this, but we did see Florida State in a lot more man coverage than we'd seen in games prior. So Notre Dame was taking advantage of that with those crossing routes. You know, there's two things you can do. Number one, if you're getting rubbed like that, then take him out. There's no – you can't hit somebody more than five yards down the field in the college game. That's only in the pro game. So don't run with him. Knock him down. Throw him off stride. There's no wall rule or other thing that says you can't hit them. And number two, if they're going to consistently do that, it's very difficult, but it can be done. If you can recognize it quick enough, switch. Don't, don't run into each other. Plant, a, plant and go with the other guy going the other direction. It's difficult to do when you've got two tight ends on either side of the ball. We used to call that in the old days the buddy system. We would do it when they were in twins, sometimes in trips, you know, first cut, second cut, that type of thing. But there are some things to do if you're smart enough to do them. And um, I'm not saying these kids are or are not. They're probably not even being taught that yet. But there are some ways to take that away from them. Keith, I don't want to give the whole secondary and backfield a pass. But I'm going to, and so you correct me here. First of all, I hope Asante is okay. I I don't know what the TV broadcast said, but I know he went out late in the game. You know, he gave up calf issue, I think. I think. He gave up one long pass, but looking at the replay, it looked like the receiver got away with a push on that. And if you're going to play bump and run, which they did a lot more, as we talked about, you're going to get beat occasionally. You're, nobody's perfect. Here's really what I'm going to say. The secondary is getting no help from up front. And, so, and when I say no help, I don't just mean sacks. I mean, there is not a time where Ian Book is affected and is throwing off balance or is – I can think of one time somebody was coming from the edge and he took a deep shot and he overthrew the receiver by eight or 10 yards because it looked like he tried to hurry the throw because he knew somebody might get to the ball. Other than that, he's throwing in rhythm, on time. And, I mean, if you're a DB and and the front seven is not doing anything to affect the throw, and again, I know we could look at the tape and we could nitpick a lot of things with the secondary. I just don't think that tonight's the night to do it. The two go hand in hand. There's no question. Florida State was credited officially with three hurries. Notre Dame had six. And that's above and beyond sacks and tackles for loss. So, yeah, if you don't get the quarterback either off of his spot or make him make an earlier or difficult decision, then it's literally skeleton, what we call skeleton, what the the guys today call seven-on-seven. And with the talent and the arm talent of kids – playing the college game that's a losing battle let me ask you this Keith well two questions left for this segment on defense one where do you go right now I mean do you just play the younger guys do you say you know Janaris we've seen a lot but Griffiths can make the same mistakes and let's go ahead and get him in there and linebacker we're going to say it's Dix and it's Lundy so that's my question to you. What, what changes could you make defensively? Or is it I, I, 
I would, I would continue to play pressure. And I know you're going to get beat occasionally, but I thought, I thought the defensive scheme, they cleaned up the mistakes they made at halftime. Okay. So first half, Notre Dame was, was having their way with them. They cleaned those up at, in the second half, played much better. Build upon that. Play the younger guys a little bit more. I'm not saying this is time for the wholesale changes because, again, we've talked about this, particularly with your veteran players, your upperclassmen. When they're on the sideline watching, that's just not fun. And it, it makes you focus and it gets your attention. And, and I, would, I would continue to play pressure. I'd play the young kids a little bit more, but I'm not ready to abandon anything. Now, if Notre Dame had had the same success in the second half they had in the first half, I might be preaching or singing a different song. But continue what you set in terms of, of, of a standard. Play the young guys a little bit more to get the upperclassmen's attention. But they're making progress, Tom. It's just not progress fast enough for any of us. Yeah, I mean, they scored on the first drive in the third quarter, but then you had a missed field goal, you had a three and out, you had the goal line stand, and it was it was fewer possessions because Florida State actually had a six- or seven-minute drive. Unfortunately, that was the one they didn't score on, and we'll talk about it in a moment. Here's the last question I was going to ask you, Keith. It is so different than when you played right now. I'm, I'm looking at the scoreboard here, and I, I did not watch these games closely. Okay, Miami's defense gave up 42 to Clemson. Alabama's defense gave up 48 to Ole Miss. Florida's defense gave up 41 in a loss. Virginia Tech's defense, I know it's not Bud Foster, they gave up 56. Yep. L- LSU's defense, I know they lost a ton. They gave up 45 in a loss. So I guess what I'm saying, I mean, 42, and, and regardless of the point total, we can all agree that FSU's defense, I mean, when the holes are 10 yards wide and you and I can run through them, you can do better. But – you're not going to win games 17 to 13. No. I mean, I, I guess the reason I'm the most optimistic right now is FSU's offense is showing that it can score 30 to 40 points a game. I mean, they got 26 on a good defense. If you can get 30 to 40 points a game, you can win some games understanding the defense is going to give up 28. I was going to say that, that you know, the, the, I don't know that there is such a thing as the optimal score in today's world, but, you know, if you're winning ball games 38 to 28, that's probably pretty close to the norm in terms of you having a good defense. That's my point. There's, exactly, because there's going to be games you're going to give up 40, but you got to score 48. And maybe every now and then you'll give up 17 or 21, and you can get away with scoring 28 or 35 and winning. But, yeah, it's a very different ball game than, than even 10 years ago, much less – you know, way back in the days of uh, leather helmets when I was running around. And again, I, you know, I'm tied up on the FSU broadcast. I didn't watch a lot of their football, but Georgia probably had the best effort and they had given up 21 at halftime against Tennessee. And then they shut them out in the second half and Kirby turned it on. But that's a great defensive performance nowadays. You give up 21 points. So bottom line, Florida State can and needs to get a lot better. But it's not going to go back to the days of, you know, pitching shutouts. Okay, let's talk no. offense. We'll do that next when we continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. 
Back on Front Row Knowles' first look, Tom and KJ with you. Keith, we dissected the defense. Let's go to the offense because let's be honest about this, Keith. Who would have thought that at the end of the first quarter, Florida State would have a lead? I mean, no no one, no one, myself included. I, I looked at it from two years ago, and you and I were up there two years ago. That game was over midpoint of the first quarter two years ago. It was 17. Drive. It yeah, was second drive. It was 17 nothing Notre Dame after the first quarter, and it was like 32 to six at halftime. And, yep. and Notre Dame played whoever they wanted in the second half. They only some ended band up. Member, some band members got in, I think. They only wound up with 42 points, same as this Saturday night. But the reality is, completely different game from two years ago. So to me, this is stating the obvious, and I hope that Travis is okay. And the indications, I think, from what I've seen preliminarily is he, he told the media after the game that his hand was okay and he'll be fine. He left the game. I guess he took a helmet to the hand. You might have seen that. Is that what it was? No, I think he fell on it or landed on it a okay. little bit awkwardly. But either way, uh, it did show uh, some shots on the sideline with Jake. And, and Jake wasn't spending a lot of time with him. He just looked at it, and they made the decision to go with Blackman, uh, given the score. But, yes, I, I think he'll be fine. I hope so. Certainly do. The I called it escapability, but it really is instinct, presence. I mean, for a guy who has not played a lot of football – that was a a good defense he went against Saturday night. And maybe we'll look back and say he got away with some, but, I mean, he's getting sacked and throwing a completion. Uh, he's got three guys on him, and somehow he manages to cover up the football and not turn it over. Uh, you know, on top of the fact that he's making guys miss and he's running for first downs, I mean, I just think there's a uh, – again, I'm not trying to paint Jordan Travis into the savior – but the offense the last two weeks has moved the ball a lot more efficiently and effectively than it has in the last couple of years. I agree. And, and let's not leave Kenny out of the equation because I think you call the game a little differently with, with uh, Travis in there than you might with another quarterback. You call more rollouts. You do call more of the RPOs. Uh, it was a little bit of a controversial call, but we even saw him take the RPO all, all the way to the line of scrimmage, some would argue past the line of scrimmage, on, on, a, on a pass uh, in the first half. Um, so, so Kenny can adjust his play calls a little bit, not leave him so much and drop back and in the pocket. Uh, the thing I worry about, though, Tom, again, old school, is uh, Travis had 19 carries, two of them were sacks, but 17 carries ended with uh, 96 yards on the ground. He did a better job three or four times about either getting down or getting out of bounds than he did last week against Jacksonville State. He talked about that during the week and that he needed to learn more to do that. But he's still taking some shots. Now, I know he's a little bit bigger and he's a little bit stouter than, than Blackman. Uh, of course, just about everybody on the team is. Uh, but I worry about that. And so you've got to try to find a way to make it more of a rollout boot type of thing with him maybe throwing the ball away instead of taking and running it all the time. But we'll see would, how that plays out. So I would say this. If Did you say he had 19 carries? I'm not looking. Correct. 19 carries finished with net yardage in 96. I bet five of those were pass plays that got completely blown up and he evaded the sack. So, I mean, they're, not, they're not calling 19 runs for him, but some he's running for his life. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though. I mean, you can't – he did get out of bounds some, but you can't – lower your shoulder that much and come up unscathed 
so it's not going to be a long time, long-term winning formula. But I do like the fact that the offense is just more consistent. Uh, the, the problem on Saturday night is that if you got behind the change, and it's been this way for a while, Florida State was two for 13 or two for 14 on third down. I mean, if you had a penalty or you lost four yards on first down, you're not going to get out of second and 14. Sec- you're, you're just not going to do it. And Against good defenses. Consistent. Against good defenses, that is a recipe for disaster. No question. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this, though, to your point about rollouts, Keith. Now, again, it's still a short sample size. It's, it's last week and this week. He's very accurate on the run. I mean, there are plenty of quarterbacks. You roll them out and – you know, a lot of times on a bootleg, the guy's wide open and you're throwing to the tight end, so you just kind of lob it and it's fine. Travis is on a dead run rolling out, and he's hitting guys on the money. I mean, that's – I mean, it seems to me he's pretty precise in that scenario. And in theory, in theory, you generally call short to intermediate routes when you're rolling out or you're booting. That's, that's just what the book says. There's no reason why they can't roll him out and let him hold and add another second, second and a half, and throw some longer routes. You just have to coach it. You have to call the players per, per particular way and do it. The other thing that, that they need to continue to get good at because they know it's going to happen is the scramble drill. You know, there are certain rules about, you know, what a, a short route becomes, a long route becomes, either coming back to the ball or going away from the quarterback. And you, you as a receiver don't do a lot of that but you can practice it some more and get better at it because you know that might be a possibility with Jordan. He is very accurate running. There is no question. Usually if you're, you know, if you're deeper, you work back shorter. And if you're on a short route, you're going to work deeper in terms of that scramble drill. Um, I, I just thought there was a lot there. Now I want, I want to say this because I mean, I think he's talented. I've not always been enamored with Tamari and Terry. And I asked Mike Norvell about this on Saturday night in the post game. I thought that was Terry's best football game. And I know he, uh, you know, he, he could have got that two-point conversion. There was a slant pass in the end zone that, where they end up sending, settling for a field goal. I thought should, he should have caught. But he had nine catches. I, I saw a fight from Terry last week and today. I feel like maybe whatever Norvell has said to him, I, I feel like there's progress that we're seeing there. There's, there's two or three things potentially playing into that. Number one – is there was some, I won't call it mistrust, but, you know, there wasn't complete buy-in by Terry. Um, Didn't work itself out during spring practice with everything that was going on with the virus and the quarantine. I mean, there was just some doubts. But something happened two weeks ago, whether it was something Norvell said or something Terry said or something tomorrow and just made his mind up about because – Mike has gone out of his way to compliment Terry's work ethic during the week, last week leading up to the Jacksonville State game, and again this week leading up to a very good performance against Notre Dame. So, so whatever that was appears to have been straightened out. Number two, he was hurt a little bit. I mean, he got racked pretty yeah. good in the Georgia Tech game. And so he was withheld from some things, wasn't able to practice as much. And thirdly, and don't discount this, and the same thing applies to Marvin. You know, when you come back, you know, after flirting with going to the NFL, that's a thing I've never had to – I never had to experience in my career, and I've never really been close 
to anyone else that has had to do that or has done that. But I can't help but think that plays into it. I don't know good, bad, or indifferent, but it's certainly an issue. So you got two things above the shoulder and one thing in terms of getting racked against Georgia Tech, and maybe not that he was a bad apple, but maybe he just got his head on straight, and now he's refocused and has doubled down on making this season work for him. Yeah, I think you hit it. I think it's buy-in and it's also pressure because you make that decision, and all you hear when people talk to you is, oh, you got to get enough good tape. you got to, you know, you got to look good on tape. And you start focusing on that. And at some point, if you can get that out of your head, you just go back to being a football player, and then it naturally shows up on tape. And so I feel like he's turned it. Now, he's got to do it consistently, but I thought he, he made it. That was a tremendous fourth down catch he made late in the game. And early in the game on the deep route, when it looked like it was a sure pick, he almost caught – not only did he turn into the DB to, to make sure it wasn't a pick – he almost caught that ball. So, I mean, I, I saw more fight. I mean, really, to me, what Terry has been, I hate to call him a one-trick pony, but he's been, if he beats the corner, he can, he, can, he can outrace you to the end zone on a fly route, which we saw tonight. But we also saw more than that. So, I mean, to me, I'll take that as a win. And he's blocking. And he was, he was not necessarily known as being a good blocker on the outside, but he has improved that as well. And when you start doing that as a wide receiver, then, then I think as a coach, you know you got buy-in. I thought LaDamian Webb ran hard. I still like the stable of running backs. Toa Feely dropped a pass at one point that would have helped. I don't want to spend too much time on the running backs, but I still like what they have there. I want to talk two situational things. So you start in the third quarter. First of all, and we haven't even mentioned this, Keith. Honestly, where you might have lost the football game, or you probably did, was with a minute and nine to go in the first half after you cut it to 28-20. And then you let Notre Dame return a kick to the 40. You get a dumb penalty on a late hit out of bounds. And you let them go down in less than a minute and add to their lead. I mean, honestly, if you're going to pick one drive where you lost the football game, that was it. I would agree. And, and penalties and a breakdown in the, in the special teams, we talk about that all the time. It's been talked about for 60 or 70 years. You know, those are two areas that you can't have breakdowns when you're an underdog on an opponent's field. Here's my question, though. So even in spite of that, you go into the locker room, you should have had momentum, but you don't. You come out, you have a great drive and score a touchdown. And so at that point, let me see, it was uh, – I don't have the score sheet in front of me, but they decided to go for two at a time when you might have kicked the extra point. I asked Norvell about it after the game. Uh you know, it was kind of a – felt like we had momentum, thought we'd try it. I mean, that is not the reason they lost the football game. It, in the end, it was inconsequential. What was your thought in the moment about that decision? Uh, I, I would have kicked the, field, uh, the extra point. The theory was that if you could get it to 11 points, in theory that's a touchdown and a field goal as opposed to two touchdowns. So I get it. You know, the, they talk about the two-point chart that if you're this far out and that type of thing. Uh, but I would have kicked the extra point. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just not a big two-point guy uh, until, you know, you get into the latter part of the third quarter or all the way into the fourth quarter. Uh, but that's just me. So, I, you know, I'm probably not a good uh, sounding board for that. So let me look at this. It was 35-20 at halftime. They got it to 35-26. So they, it wasn't that it was two scores. 
They could have made it 35-27, which is a touchdown and a two. They opted to try to get to the 35-28, which is obviously just a touchdown and a PAT. Touchdown and extra point. Oh, yeah, I misspoke. Thank yeah, you. so I was, I was just curious about it. All right, my second question is about the long FSU drive that ended with the Travis interception. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll get to that in our next segment. This is Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back, Tom and KJ with you. We do this show. It comes your way every Sunday morning and uh, re-airs Mondays at 6. This truly is a first look. I mean, I've not looked at highlights. I've not read comments. I talked briefly with LaDamian Webb and Coach Norvell after the game. And other than that, we don't have a lot that we've, we've dug into. So here's my question, Keith. Watching, uh, and I'm curious what the TV feed looked like uh, or what your opinion was on this. The drive, and, and it, you know, Florida State, it was going to be a, it was going to take a miracle to come back and win that football game. I think, you know, Notre Dame, they're just a better football team right now. Let's give Notre Dame credit for that. That said, that it was about a six and a half minute drive. They got it to the five yard line. I thought, and it was third down when Jordan Travis threw that interception. I thought he was 100% gassed. And I know that you're trying to hold your timeouts till the end of the game in case you need them to get the ball back. I really felt like, you know what? He is sucking wind. Take the timeout. Let him catch his breath and be a little more effective there. Did you have that thought in the moment, or am I being a little hypercritical? Uh, a little critical, but what, what the book would say is that Jordan should have recognized the coverage and thrown that ball away. And then you take the time out, catch your breath, and get a good call on fourth down. I guess I'm not even – it's not even so much the third down. I forget the sequence of plays. I thought he was gassed a play or two prior than that. He took a rib shot somewhere in there, and maybe my memory is wrong on it. I just thought it had been such a long drive, and he had done so much. And now you're set up – I think you started that drive about the five or the six, maybe got a yard or two on first down and then lost it on second down, and so then it was third down interception. That's what it felt like in the moment. Again, that's, that's being overly critical. But I, I guess really what the point there is that Jordan Travis does an awful lot, and no matter what kind of shape you're in, at some point you're going to get tired if that's what you're doing every play. It's the nature of the game. But again, in a perfect world, so this is not even a, a true criticism. This is a learning experience. You know, he should have recognized – obviously he should have recognized it was third down. If you go back and when you look at the tape, there's no reason to throw this ball. Just sail it into the stands. As I say, take a timeout, get a good fourth down call, and come back and fight another play. He just tried to do a little bit too much. Your point's well taken. I don't think coaches think about that much in today's environment. But, um, uh, you know, obviously hindsight that we're doing, it's easy for us to bring it up, no question. Yeah. So, and to be fair, that was the drive where they had already converted a fourth and nine and a fourth and eight. Correct. And there was offensive pass interference on Jordan Young on the play. So if he threw it away, they would have backed up 15 yards. And at that but point – But then he got another down. that point, you're going to kick the field goal, though, if you're – Well, you get third down again, though. Well, you get third down again. So you see what happens there, and then you're probably yeah. kicking a field goal if you're at the 20. Again, that's not why they lost the football game. I just – I looked at Jordan. I thought he was – I mean, he just seemed to be gassed. He's, he's a tough kid, obviously. All right, let's do the, uh, the, the, the performance of the game, and then we'll wrap things up here. 
and we will take a look at our prime meridian bank performance of the game and we're going to salute tomorrow and terry we've talked about it he had nine catches in the ball game 146 yards a touchdown along of 48 he blocked very well he makes a couple of more spectacular catches and florida state's uh, entire dynamic might be different our performance of the game is brought to you by prime meridian bank two locations in tallahassee timberlane and capital circle locations branches if you will uh, down in Crawfordville, as well as in Lakeland, uh, whether it's business checking, personal checking, uh, home equity lines, home mortgages, check them out. You can visit them at trymybank.com. You can call them at 907-2300, Prime Meridian Bank. Remember, FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Keith, I'm looking through the rest of my notes on this football game and trying to see what else I missed. Uh, Hamza Nasraldine didn't play. I didn't mean, we're, we're, we're four games into this season, Keith. Do we think he's coming back? Well, remember, he got hurt in the Florida game. So he's only, what, 10 months into an ACL? Right. Uh, and they tell you it's 12 to 15 most of the time. Um, I don't know. He certainly, we think, well, will make a big difference. I don't know that they say 12 to 15 until you're cleared. 12 to 15 until maybe you're past it mentally as well as physically and back to where you were previously. I, I just wonder, I mean, he's an NFL talent. Is he going to show up three weeks from now? Is he going to start then? Or is he just going to say, you know what, I'll work out for the draft and you've seen my tape. I led the team in tackles for two years. This is what I am. I don't know the answer uh, I, to it. Self, selfishly, I hope not, because certainly Florida State could benefit from him being on the field. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I've, I've thought all of us have been a little optimistic in his return and wanting him to get back. I think he did a wonderful job in his rehab. Uh, but you, you've just got to be careful with that. You've just got to be careful. And if anything, uh, Jake File and his staff are going to err on the side of caution. And I, and I don't blame them for that. The special teams, I, th I thought – I'm talking about the kick return game probably and the kick coverage, frankly. Uh, not as good as where Florida State wants to go for as much emphasis as they put on special teams. Now, I know that you're missing Travis Jay, and maybe Corey Wren is just a freshman who got excited. I mean, he, he, he fumbled one out that he was lucky to recover. But basically, they, didn't, they weren't calling fair catches and they were not making it to the 25 on the returns. And Notre Dame on the ones they returned was making it past the 25. So it seems like there's room for improvement there. I was confused because on one of the kickoffs, I think in the second half maybe, Grothaus appeared to just punch it. And it landed about the 10 or the 12-yard line. That, I mean, that almost has to be called, uh, you know, as opposed to him mishitting it. I, you know, if he can get the ball out of the end zone, I'd prefer he do that every time. But I'm not down there coaching. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, the Georgia Tech game. They, they the first three kickoffs. They they Georgia Tech started inside its own twenty, but it's it's balanced back out a little bit more since then. All right, so it's North Carolina week now, Keith. I guess we got to turn the page. We'll talk about this on Wednesday. North Carolina's dynamic offensively, but not very good defensively. So this again to the point we made earlier. It's going to be the first team to forty at least. It feels like. <laughs> Uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think you get back to Doak Campbell. Uh, you take the second half of the Notre Dame game defensively. 
you take the entire game in terms of what you did offensively and you kind of build upon it, keep Travis out of the pocket as much as you can, uh, continue to work on that running game. Uh, this is a game where I think Florida State can continue to make progress. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this on Wednesday. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that Florida State can win the ball game, but certainly they've shown improvement and they need to continue to show improvement. But we need to recognize that um, this isn't your old North Carolina of old. This is back. Uh, when was it we were up there and both teams were in the uh, top five? How long ago has that been? That was 1997, Keith. And if you think Holy about it. Holy moly. That was the first ever top five matchup in ACC football history. Two teams, both teams in the top five. 1997, the league was founded in the early 1950s. So we forget that now in this Clemson era, but that Florida State entered uh, or ushered the league into modern big boy football. We're not there right now, but Florida State gets credit for that. And remember that uh, there, there was a time when North Carolina was that good, and uh, in 2020 they might be that good again. That game is uh, next Saturday night at Doe Campbell Stadium. All right, we're done. We'll do another show on Monday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again Wednesday at 6. So long.